Need a website for your business, but not looking to break the bank for one? I've got you covered. Hi, it's me, Ashley M. Lyle, founder and CEO of Blacken and host of the Black Queens on Stage podcast. And yes, I also have a website business, Sites by Lyle. I can create a dynamic website for your business that will showcase your work, wow potential clients, and close more sales. So contact me on my Instagram at Sites by Lyle to schedule your free 30-minute evaluation so we can get you started on your new website. Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. I'm Ashley M. Lyle, and today I am joined by the fantastically talented burlesque performer, drag queen, and that's not king or queen, but queen, singer <laughs> and poet, queen fearless amaretto. How are you today? Hello, hello. I am feeling wonderful. I am refreshed, showered, and I, I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm so glad that you're here today. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Yes. You know, I talk to Caffeine a lot, and I, I get a chance to speak with Eartha when she's not so busy. And, you know, I, I, when I found out about you, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So then as I was oh. formulating my questions and I was looking at your videos, I was like, oh, they doing that thing. Your oh, stop. I'm so serious. Your your performances are just magnificent. Absolutely Thank magnificent. You. Thank so, you so much. Well, let's let's get into this interview. Yes. So explain to me what inspired your name. Okay. So Fearless actually is a direct translation to which ironically it's now my dead name, but my name I was born with, my name my parents gave me. And it's funny because I I, I don't really want to say the name, but just know that um, I, growing up with an African name, like they went into an African book and got the name. And growing up, people would always be like, oh, that name's exotic, or or I'd get the complete opposite. And, you know, and it was just like, uh, I was one of those kind of, I got tired of it type of thing. But But then when I looked up what it meant... I was like, ooh, you know mm. what? This is this is the energy that I need. This is the energy that I want to put out into the world. And I was like, you know what? This is me. And I am fearless. Okay. So so the the definition of your dead name is fearless. Yes. Nice. Nice. That that's like that's creative. I like that. I like that a lot. So then where did the amaretto part come from? So amaretto, it was a little bit more recent, but not maybe a year or two ago that I came up with the amaretto because I was I posed the question should I stay just like a one name like a Beyonce just fearless <laughs> you know because you know it, it I, I've I've been using that name for a quite a long time just for poetry and stuff but then when I started doing burlesque and getting into 
to that scene, I see that a lot of people, a lot of performers had like this extravagant name or, you know, it, it, it really was something, you know, like that. And I was like, hmm, should I have a last name? So at the time, you know, I was, you know, I go to the bars and stuff. That's where I performed a lot and I would drink. And but I was like, I was always one of those people I want to enjoy my drink you know I don't mm-hmm. want to just drink to get drunk type of thing I want to you know have an experience and somebody I can't remember what bar it was but somebody made me this drink and it mm. was like amaretto and orange juice and, and cranberry juice and it, it was just oh it was something amazing and I was just like amaretto it's it's like sweet and dark but like sexy kind of like mysterious alluring and I was like "Ooh, that's cute so then it has that duality fearless that very bold and the amaretto that that soft mysterious I like that Ooh, I like that Ooh, I just got chills thinking about that like oh that's so interesting and then one other thing explain queen because I, I wanted to make sure to put that in for your introduction. Yes, and I'm so glad you did. So recently, it's funny because recently I had kind of like re, guess, discovery, reimagining what queen means to me. Because at first, the first time I've heard, like, it's not a term that I came up with, sadly. Um, the first time I heard the term was Todger Call did a whole thing. And he was like, he was the queen because he was the king and the queen. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I like that, you know. And it wasn't until after I personally came out as bi-gender that I was like, you know what? That would really be cute because it's like the king and the queen. It's that masculine and feminine, you know. And seeing us, I I really have that duality of me. I was like, I really identify with that being that queen, holding myself as higher than how society would see me because I feel like a lot of times growing up you know you go through at least as a queer person you go through that toxic masculinity of you know if you're born a man or you have to be this or that and I was always like well this just I can't be just in this box that's not who I am at my heart and that a lot of people see queerness as being you know less than and I hated that and I felt like queen brings that royalty to it it's like no I'm not less than actually I am being my true self so I'm that I am that I am, that I am. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> but, exactly. And I just, I just thought it was, it was so interesting. I can't remember when I, when I first saw it, but I saw it on your profile on Instagram. Mm-hmm. No, now I remember. Caffeine put it on their Facebook page. I think it was a, a show that you guys were getting ready to do during COVID or something like that. Probably, and, yeah. Yeah, and coming up. they they put the the advertisement for it and they announced you in it. Oh, now I remember what it was. It was the creepy american show yes the american uh, horror or something like that the american it wasn't american horror story but it was might as well be (laughs) (laughs) you know it was there it was our it was the fourth of july but it wasn't like a celebration it was you know we decided because of everything going on we wanted to make it horror because it's 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 a miracle horror (laughs) (laughs) baby That's where I saw it. And they put Queen, Fearless, Amaretto. And I asked them, what, what, what is Queen? You know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I like to use it like as I guess the salutation. Uh, yeah, like whatever you call it, like the how Mister or Miss. It's like Queen. I use QG, so it's like oh, Queen. So I thought gotcha. it'd be cute. You know, it's like a like a surf. Oh, what is that a prefix? Is that what they? I forget what it's called. I think it's but... just a salutation. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Because I, I actually had to contact a friend of mine who's non-binary mm. because I'm learning the new versions of the uh, salutations like MX. Mm. And, yeah. And I asked them just for verification, like, hey, is MX pronounced mix or Ms with a Z pronunciation? And they said, no, it's mixed. It's mixed. Mm. So I was like, okay, all right. Then, so at least I know, you know? Yeah. So my next question for you is, Describe your style of burlesque and drag. Hmm. Well, my burlesque is very unique. I'm very theatrical. I feel like every performance of mine has to be like, I get immersed into the performance. So mm-hmm. it's like I have very wide range of types of burlesque. Like I don't, I haven't dabbled quite into the traditional burlesque quite yet. And that's more so just because of funding and outfits and stuff but I'm getting there but I do very much like a theatrical type of burlesque you would see at I don't know I'm a very Broadway-ish type of I want to be I want to transport you with these performances you know I want you to get very engulfed in the character or whatever that it is portraying hey I can respect that anything Broadway I'm I'm all here for it <laughs> yes <laughs> so Explain the process for me and for our listeners, the process of preparing for a show. Like what inspires your song choice, your costume choice? How long do you practice your routines? Okay, so for me, I usually, it almost always goes off of the music. I'm a very musically inclined person. I am the type to like when I sit down and listen to my music, I something has to has to call out to me. Like every song that I perform, it's one of those that when I was listening to it in my room, like I just all of a sudden started dancing or like I caught myself, you know, getting like I could see the the show. I could see the performance in my head. Mm-hmm. Like it's playing out like a movie. <laughs> and that's hey, I like that. And, yes. Like it has to, you know, I can't just do a song just because it it's catchy it has to mean something for me to be able to really connect with it believe it or not I don't think I've ever 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 done a show that was like 100% choreographed mm. I'm very much a blocker like I'll have like I know at certain points of a song I know I want to do this or I know this has to be you know the climax or I know this I want to do a jump kick or you know it's like I'll block it out but then the rest of it I just have to be in it I have to feel it and I think that's also why I choose the songs that I do because I already felt it so I know once I start performing it I know it's it's gonna come to life on the stage okay yeah, I can I can totally relate to that because whenever I watch like certain music videos and then it just doesn't gel right with the song, I'm already mm. seeing. I'm not a choreographer in any way. I I have two left feet. I <laughs> I trip over my my own toenails if it so happens. I feel you know? it. I feel it. <laughs> but <laughs> like if I watch a music video where whatever is going on in the music video just doesn't gel with the song, I'm I'm thinking of like, okay, well they could have done this or they could have done that or this is how Mm -hmm. you know like I said I'm not a choreographer I'm not gonna even front (laughs) (laughs) right 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 
And it's funny because I've been asked a couple times after, like, I remember I did this Stephen King themed show maybe a year ago. And me personally, like, I know of Stephen King, but I didn't off the top of my head know what what movies or books or whatever what was his. So I had to look him up. And I was like, okay, well, they picked all the the main ones that everyone knows. So I'm like uh, searching and searching and searching. And this song popped into my head. And I was like, the song was What Went Wrong by J.P. Cooper. And I just was like, I could do the Green Mile. And I, I, I did this whole thing and I was John Coffey. It started out like at the end of the movie, I'm in the electric chair and it's about to execute. And I was like, now and it cut and I was like now let me tell you what went wrong and after that performance every like I had a couple people come up to me was like did you go to school for you know a modern dance or whatever I was like no I just felt the music because like when you feel it you know you know it's real right just get get immersed and lost in it Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I can totally feel that. A friend of mine, I just interviewed her and she, nice. she's, multi, she's multi-talented. Like she's she's an actress, she's a dancer, she's a singer, she's a director, martial artist, anything and everything in between. And she came to my performance of Ain't Misbehaving. And the character that I had to play had to do this tap dancing routine. And I didn't know tap dance and neither did the choreographer. So... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So, so my friend, she she told me like, well, you could do this kind of move, you could do that kind of move, and I told her, I said, you don't have to give me like a whole big like logistic kind of thing because I'm <laughs> not gonna get it. Mm-hmm. She came to see me in the show, and I and I bullshitted my way through it, you know. And so she was like, you did good, you did good for somebody who doesn't know how to tap dance. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you till you make it. <laughs> As long as I had a big ass smile across my face and looked like I knew what I was doing, then it's sold. It's sold. Yes. (laughs) So how do you keep your audiences hype and wanting more during your performances? Mm. So I have this thing. I'm... And it's funny, I noticed it by other people telling me, but now I I made it a thing. So I have this thing when I'm performing burlesque or even especially drag, where I like to find faces in the crowd while performing. A lot of people just get lost in the in the lights and stuff, but I like to try to find certain points to zoom in on. So I look for faces. And once I find, like I scan and I find someone that's kind of like they're they're intrigued, but like afraid or whatever oh I have fun (laughs) but you know and I'll I'll get real into I call it well I guess I don't have a word for it but just getting really into the face because for me facial expressions I feel like really sell any performance Mm -hmm. because if you're not if you don't look it in your face no one's gonna and I used to practice in the mirror a lot on my facial expressions to make sure I look like the like make sure the emotions are coming across the way I need them to you know and mm-hmm. I would find people you know I'll find people in the audience that are kind of afraid and I'll get real close <laughs> you know and give it to you know make sure make make them like kind of shake a little bit <laughs> you know I want and I feel like people people feel that energy you know mm-hmm. but then at the same time it it depends like I do a lot of go-go stuff now too and oh. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love it, but I feel like go-go dancing, at least for me, my my kind of go-go dancing is so 
much more physically demanding than some of my burlesque or my drag because it's like we'll be going for you know four or five songs and and I'm one of those people that if I'm doing a go-go dance I in my head when I think of go-go I'm thinking I want to entertain you know kind of playful but you know be sexy with it and that sort of thing so I'm like I'm very high energy very you know pop kick shimmy shake and I've been doing and I'll do it for like 15 minutes straight <laughs> and, you know <laughs> but gotta do what you gotta do and I love it and that's that's the most I'm just like I have to keep this energy because I do not want to plateau you know and I feel like that's still one of those things that I've been battling with myself as far as gauging my energy and performances a lot of time I'll come out strong but then I'm like okay now I have to keep this energy <laughs> you know but i'm learning to pace myself a little bit more but i feel like drag burlesque go-go it's you're always evolving mm -hmm. you know you never want to become stagnant because then that's as best as you're ever going to be mm -hmm. so which would you say that you like more out of the three burlesque drag or go-go I would have to say burlesque. Okay. I feel like, because I feel like burlesque is one of those, it's one of those beautiful things that you don't always have to necessarily know all the words of the song. You know, you can really focus on getting deep into it, like creating a scene, creating a moment. And I feel like I love that allure, that tease, that kind of leave them wanting more and you never said a word. Right. I love that energy and being able to challenge myself to be able to portray so many things without speaking and you know just with body motions and facial expressions and I feel like that's it it, it takes it takes a real art it's it's an art form mm -hmm. and I love it so much like just being able to to share that art with people that's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I've said this before on previous episodes and I'll say it again. I love hearing my guests talking about their art. It always <laughs> sounds so poetic because, and that's when you know the passion is there. Yes. Yes. So tell me, what does your audience normally look like when you're performing? Is there an energy difference or a difference in reactions between particular audiences, like between men, women, black people, white people? So most of my shows, it's usually more heavier, like white audience, white women, to be honest. It's mostly white women and then like gay white men, gay white cis men. Now there are, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're whitewashed, our audience, but I feel like it is very one-sided. A lot of times, like I'll usually go to most of, at least for burlesque, I should say, most of my burlesque shows that I went to, the audience was predominantly white. It kind of makes me sad, to be honest, because I mm -hmm. feel like burlesque is such a beautiful thing. Oh, it's so beautiful to see. It's so beautiful to be in. And I feel like, like I talk about burlesque to some of my Black friends and my people of color, and I feel like a lot of them don't even know about it or they're like, oh, that's still a thing, you know? It's like, it's 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 a thing not talked about. It's not, it's kind of forgotten like Black cultures and, and stuff. And I don't know, or I feel like, well, not even just forgotten. I feel like we're not given that chance a lot, mm -hmm. you know? You know, I think it's, I've faced something like that similarly in the theater world because mm. I'm strictly a theater actor, but if I can find like a TV or film gig that actually pays, then I'll do it. Um, okay. <laughs> 
But I remember coming across like several coworkers in my regular nine to five job. When they find out that I do theater, they 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 will immediately say, "Oh, that's that's some white stuff." And I'm just like, "What are you talking about? You know, your best actors that are on TV right right now are theater performers." Okay, I'm just. I you don't... wouldn't you wouldn't have no Denzel Washington if there was no theater. If he yes. hadn't gone to theater. You wouldn't have Viola Davis if she never went to theater. You wouldn't have James Earl goddamn Jones if he hadn't gone to theater. Okay. And you I know? feel like a lot of and and that's crazy because even you know uh growing up I went in in school I I did theater. I was only able to be in two musicals and I had to drop out of the the second one halfway through cuz my parents wouldn't let me do it. Mm. You know, it long story but i was in one of those toxic situations with my family and they were they were like oh well exactly what you said like, oh theater is is this or the white people shit or it's gay shit and you know and i'm just like uh, really though like you guys want to go out and see these movies with with black actors and always t- talk about you know there's black actors aren't getting their chairs black actors aren't doing this and that but then you don't want to support people that want to be black actors i don't i don't know and, but and then it's a double you yeah. Yeah. And and you know it, it's I don't honestly think that it's just a black thing. I think No, it's not. Because you know just because you and I are black, we see it more it within our community. But I think mm-hmm. with people in general, as far as like acting is concerned, they can appreciate what's already out there and what's already put in front. But to, the actual work to get up to that point is not appreciated as much. Yeah. Cuz that's something honestly that I've battled with my mother now my mother is very supportive however she was also very supportive of the fact that i have a plan b something that was completely established first and then get into acting and then really pursue it more and more and more and i'm grateful that she wanted me to do that because she she, all she wants is the best for me Mm -hmm. but there have been situations where you know she doesn't fully understand it 100 percent, and you know that that's that's what we come across as artists. Yeah. People don't 100% fully understand us. Yeah. So, next question. <laughs> <laughs> As a black bi-gender person in a cis male and female dominated industries, mm. what kind of obstacles and challenges have you faced because you're black and trans and how do you overcome them? Oof. <laughs> um, ugh. I feel like with me being who I am as as a trans person, as a Black person, I feel like I'm often, my experience is often very polarized. I feel like I'm either overlooked because I'm trans or because I'm Black. You know, um, I feel like I have to always put in double that effort. I have to, you know, perform twice as hard, you know, just to be seen. Or I'll get the people only want me because I'm Black or people only want me because I'm trans. And I feel like it's like that double-edged sword. It's like, I want people to want me to, you know, perform because that I'm good at performing, not because I'm, you know, I, I've been in, like, I recently, I did a show, well, maybe a year ago. I was in a show. The reason that I got into the show was because someone, uh, I guess, called the show out for having a whitewash show. You know, they didn't have, like, apparently the show's been booked for so long or whatever. And there was no there was no people of color on cast and hmm. it was like a whole thing on facebook and i didn't know about 
about any of this until someone tagged me in it and was like, uh, here are a bunch of POC performers. You know, it's not that hard to find them. And uh, I guess that's how I got on the show. But it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I got there and it was it was a really good experience. You know, everybody was really kind and polite and whatnot. And um, I did feel really welcome. But, you know, I come across that a lot. I feel like I end up getting either overlooked for shows or I'll be like the token. Mm-hmm. And I hate I hate that with a passion because you usually you can feel feel it like you'll go there and be in the dressing rooms and you just kind of feel like the oddball like you know mm-hmm. and it's not a com- I've I've done it a couple times and I'll never do it again but it's not a comfortable experience you know and I just feel like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> yeah I guess <laughs> yeah. you know yeah I I totally understand that 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 same shit happens in theater. I had a a, a four-part series talking to other Black actors regarding topics like tokenism and white saviorism and other racist crap that goes mm-hmm. on within theater. And you know, to, I have I have a I personally have a huge problem with tokenism because. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, like, yes, I'm black, but that shouldn't be the reason why I'm here. Right. You know, like, see me for my talent, see me for my artistry. But don't see mm-hmm. me just because I'm black. And then not only that, just because I'm light-skinned black, don't think that I'm easier to deal with. Mm. I'm probably one of the hardest motherfuckers that you can deal with. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let them know. <laughs> right. But it's like, it's so baffling that performing venues feel mm. like that they can just check off a box that says diversity. Oh, we got our diversity point for the year by mm. having their one person of color in their show. And they've had like four or five throughout the entire year. Right. It's the same thing in theater. Theater does the same yeah. thing. They'll have their one show where it may actually be a tokenism show where it highlights or puts at the very front of the show a black person or a, a Latina person. And then that's it. And then they go do other shows like Mamma Mia or or some crap like that. And then mm. then that entire show is completely white. It's a but mess. Then, and then on top of that, what kills me is when they don't want to own up to their mm-hmm. own up to not paying They're- attention to what they're yeah. doing or own up to them purposely doing this kind of stuff it's it's yes. ugh, gets on my nerves yeah, it, 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 it's and i hate it i really do it because it's i feel like as i guess a black person i feel like sometimes we're uh we're looked at as what do you call it? Like when it comes to performing, I feel like I don't want to be, for lack of a better term, the dancing clown. You know, I don't want to be that. Like I don't want to. I feel like a lot of times people see black people and in the performance scene, and they be like, "Oh, it's entertaining, ha ha ha." I am so much more than just this. Or they'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, I've and I've heard this in in like dressing rooms before. It literally made me sick to my stomach when people are like, "Oh well, you know, they're that chocolate skin, and you know, I mean it, <sighs> you know, and that that just really like it gets me upset. I don't. I'm so much more than my skin." Mm-hmm. 
you know, see me for how talented I am. See me for how I can bring you to tears. Like, see that. Oof. Want me for that. Don't get me you started know? on white theater establishments profiting off of black tragedy. Don't get me started on that. Mm. Ugh, man. I have oh, a, I hate that. <laughs> I have a love-hate-hate relationship for mm-hmm. the show Ragtime. Man. Mm. If you have not seen it, I do suggest, I don't recommend, but I do suggest... heard (laughs) suggest that you if you can find a production of it on youtube Mm -hmm. watch it and the the other one that i suggest not definitely not recommend this one but i suggest you look up the show barnum and it's about pt barnum Mm -hmm. and then get back to me about that let me know what you think about it i'm gonna check them out (laughs) i surely will Anyway, so explain a moment to me when you had to deal with a heckler in the audience. So luckily, I haven't had many. Um, I think beyond more than anything, I've gotten like I've had a show once. I can't remember what I was performing, but luckily I've always had this leeway because a lot of times I perform things that are very, I just remember it was very like, do you know who I am? Like in your face type of, one of those type of things. I want to say it was a drag performance. And I'm on the stage, you know, I come out and there's like this group of, you know, little Twinkie (laughs) cis white guys (laughs) on the side of the stage. And they're like talking to each other other taking photos like right on the side of the stage and i'm just like really so i i had one of those moments (laughs) thankfully because of the way my music was (laughs) and i get off Uh the stage and stood right in front of them and like was doing my do you see who i am do you know you know got in their face and Uh and they got real quiet put the phone down i was like because i don't i my respect is one of my biggest things like it's one of my i hold it above almost anything else like you you Mm -hmm. don't you don't even have to like me. you really don't i mean if you do kudos but you don't have to like me but you have to show me some type of respect if i'm coming out here you pay money to get into this bar you obviously wanted to see the show Mm -hmm. be respectful if nothing else Mm -hmm. you know there's even there's been shows where i i've told people i was like i will never go back i will not work with this person until i get an apology in in public because i don't do that you disrespect me in public. I want that apology in public. You know, I don't do that behind closed doors. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's sleep, sweep it under the rug. No, I'm not for that at all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, if you're coming to, I'm sharing my art with you. I'm sharing my heart, my soul with you. You will respect, mm-hmm. me. you know, respect my art. I feel like I went on a whole right. tangent, but. <laughs> hey, that's fine. That's fine. Speak your piece. Speak your piece. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so explain a moment when you had the opportunity to work with a diverse group of people. Ooh, okay. So I did, I did this show at, it's actually at, at this club, Candy Bar. Well, the club is called Live, but on Thursdays, it's called Candy Bar. It's in Ann Arbor. 
and they do a drag show every Thursday or whatever. And this is like when I was first kind of getting into the performance scene out here. I think it was, it was a lip sync battle type of thing or whatever. It was like for charity and, you know, you, the winner gets $100 and $100 goes to the charity of your choice type of thing. And it was really cool, real fun. But um, I just remember going mm-hmm. and literally every single performance was so unique and so different in the, like, there was there was cisgendered people transgendered people you know all types of the spectrum there was black there was white there was you know it it was very everything was so well like everybody put work and thought into it and i think that's why i've loved being out here in ann arbor or ipsy ann arbor area performing wise because it's so well at least the let me take that back it's the places i've been because <laughs> I've heard things, but the places I've been mm-hmm. have been really mm-hmm. diverse and really inclusive. And that's what I really love about this area, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel like people really, in my experience, since I've been out here, people aren't really super worried about who you are when you're in an art platform out here. Like they just want to see your art. They want to see how creative, how cool they want to be blown away, you know? And I love that because then it's like, okay, well, let me show you what I can be, you know? It's like, <laughs> I am, yes, I am black, and that's a part of me that is, you know, I'm black and you're like, not, you know. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be something that's taken away. It shouldn't be something that you only see. It should be a part of, you know, I am black and I am, you know, this and this and this, you know. And I feel Mm -hmm. like out here, I've been having a really wonderful experience so far with that. Well, that's good. And I'm thankful. Yeah, that's really good. What kind of moral support do you get from, for your artistic career to be honest it's mostly my performance family like my people that we call ourselves like a little family because we're always at kind of most of the same shows like me caffeine and Mm -hmm. all of our little group (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. always I always love doing shows and seeing them there because I know even if I'm going through something at that time or having issues or whatever and I'll tell them it's like you know I'm going through this or whatever so they'll be right there supporting me all the way be backstage whatever you need I'm so thankful I really am Mm -hmm. the circle of people I have around me and it took so long to get here because I just feel like I've been kind of on my own for so long not on my own but like doing everything myself having to kind of fend for myself like when I first started out in drag and, and everything I was wearing my everyday clothes that I tied this and cut this and you know glue a couple dollar store stones on and you know I was doing what I could because I was like I don't have money I don't have a I don't have a ride I had to pay someone to take me to these places but you know I just knew I wanted to perform and I was like if I can just get there if you could just see how good I could be if you could just see it took so long to get to a place where people could actually see because I've been doing this you're trying to do this for a while and it's like people wouldn't put me on their on their big show nights or you know it was always packed or they were always had a full night but every night they had new performers you know (laughs) stuff like that and they would never tell me a reason for it and I'm just like "Mm, okay I'm seeing what's happening you keep getting new performers but they're always skinny white guys and you know I'm just like uh you know and I guess I finally came to a point and I've been trying to be good and not name drop people because I'm not, (laughs) but (laughs) 
but I'm I want to keep my business okay <laughs> but I just you know certain places I was trying so hard to be fit in or be a part of just get on the stage you know and show what I had and when I kept getting turned down turned down turned down I was finally like why why am I pushing for this why am I you know driving myself crazy to get this spot I'm just gonna go and get some a spot somewhere else like why am I trying to break my back for this group of people you know and I finally went and and ventured out and started putting stuff on Facebook and so people can see me perform and somebody saw me and that's how I got in touch with the candy bar and pop tart and all of those different little groups and stuff that actually saw something in me and was like yeah absolutely we'll we'll, we'll yeah come come do this show and we'll pay you mm-hmm. and that was something that I for so long I had to fight for I feel like a lot of places the only time I could dance or or do something at was if it was free or if I was doing a hot spot for just tips and don't get me wrong I love being able to perform because for me it was never really about the money but mm-hmm. t- for you to tell me that this is all I'm worth you you know, right. and it took a long time for me to see that I could be worth so much more. I, I am worth so much more and stop settling. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not still not big ball and nothing like that. But I'm <laughs> when I when I need money, it come, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. People looking out for me and want me to be on this show and that show and seeing my potential. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm finally at a place where I'm seen and now I'm just let me show the world who I am (laughs) yeah just it's like it's finally that time (laughs) yeah how do you keep your mental health in check between performances oh see that's tough it took a long time for me to get to a healthy place mentally I I guess you know with me I've I've short version I've been going through you know living issues with housing and family and identity and it's just been a long time coming especially like in black cultures and stuff like that uh mental health is kind of overlooked it's 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 like the the ele- it's the myth it's the that side of thing at least for older generations you know raising children and whatnot so I, I, it took me a while to get from up under that but now that I, where i'm at i feel like now it's so important to take breaks like literally mm-hmm. I take you know sometimes I'll take time and I'm like I can't I can't do this show I, I just I need some time I'll do a self day or I'll some days I'll just I'll just sleep some days you just need that day you need to recuperate or I'll do something just for me I'll, I'll take like a nice herbal bath or I need to get myself back in zen get myself back in, at oneness because when you're performing or acting or singing or what Whatever your art is, I feel like you are putting your energy out into the world. You are that's you're putting this part of you that's it's it's literal energy inside you. And it's like if you're always putting out, putting it out, putting out, putting it out, at some point you need to recharge. And I feel like, especially for me, because I have mental health issues, I'm you know, bipolar. It took me a while to figure my what I needed to get my recharge because I feel like my body every so often will let me know, hey, you've been stretching yourself a little thin. You need to get a little recharge going on. And I'll take me a day or two and just be with myself. And I feel like a lot of people are have their own reservations or whatever about being by yourself and alone or whatnot. But sometimes you need it. 
you know, sometimes you just need to get out of the media, get out of the the everything, the push and pull, the what whatever people are saying. And sometimes you just need to unplug and just have a whole day where you only do what you feel like you need. You need mm-hmm. um for so long I felt like it was a problem, I guess. And it took me, you know, going actually going and getting therapy and stuff. And one of my therapists finally, you know, sat me down and told me one day it was like, it's not selfish to care about yourself. You know, you some days Ooh. you have to Say that again. It's it's not selfish to care about yourself. You know, you have to you have to care about about you because if you don't, you're not going to be able to do all these things. You know, if you break down and shut down and depressed, and you won't be able to create this magic, create this this great thing that you love doing. You have to care about yourself first and foremost. And it took me. Uh, I'm, I'm 26 now. <laughs> it took me till about 26 to <laughs> learn this lesson but you make me sound like you're so old i'm 33 i mean stop you don't okay (laughs) yeah yeah i just i don't know some days i feel like i've lived lifetimes going through so much but right you have to take take care of yourself and like you, and I'm, yeah and just listening to you talk about you know people just adding you to their show because you're black or because you're trans and you know that's just the only reason why i i, I already know what that feels like as far as my blackness is concerned mm-hmm. but then as far as gender man i can't i can't even imagine that oh i i I personally can't imagine that i really hate it it literally like it makes my blood boil sometimes i don't <sighs> Because sometimes, I, I and it's funny, I've actually, there was a show that I got booked for and because of COVID, it got shut down or whatever. And when the person hit me up or whatever, or emailed me, they were like, oh, I was so glad one of my so-and-so told me about you or showed me your, or I looked found your page from their page. We didn't have any black male presence. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I get you see you're little do they know you know and i just wanted to shake the the email like virtually uh i hate it so much you know but and you know i am a cis female mm-hmm. so i don't know and i'm not going to even try to pretend i know what you're going through yeah but i know that for me as a cis female that there are things that i need to make myself aware of and be more cognizant of trans people and just trans people as being that and i saw the di- diagram on your instagram too mm. with the trans umbrella and then you have binary non-binary yes and i thought that was just such a great yes analogy Yeah, you know i loved it and and it's funny because i just seen it in passing someone one of my friends that posted and i was like this is everything that i needed because it showed Mm because i feel like a lot of people and i feel like this is where a lot of issues happen i feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of people often confuse who you are with who you like, with who you are born, or the parts you were born with. Like, these are three Mm -hmm. different things, and people want to always put them all together, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm still learning. You know, I'm definitely still learning. I'm still figuring out through research and through just through contacting people. And just just like how I don't expect for people to come to me about all Black questions, I can't expect myself to go to someone like you or Caffeine or my other uh, trans 
trans friends and I can't just constantly go to them Mm -hmm. with my questions about, you know, transgender, the whole spectrum of being transgender, binary, non-binary. I can't expect myself to do that to you guys because first of all, y'all already got to carry that weight. Okay. Y'all already have to carry that weight of people making perceptions and assumptions just immediately based off of what you look like. Right. And you know, I, it's almost, I feel like I oftentimes, I feel like. I have to explain who I am to people. Almost like I need to disclaim who I am first, you know? And it and it bothers me that in reality, you know, sometimes, especially in certain areas that I haven't been in before, I don't know how people's headspace is or whatever. Like, it is scary. I don't know that maybe I'm looking really, you know, and people think that people see a lot of trans people or trans women or, um, and they think that they're pretending or they think that they're hiding or trying to keep a secret. And that's, and I feel like that's one of the key points that people, that's like one of the major misconceptions that some someone's trying to mm-hmm. trick some or someone's trying to or that we're pretending to be women and that that's like my my biggest pet peeve like I want to scream every time I hear it and right you know I've even I've done like live videos and stuff just talking to people and and there's been I hate to say it but I usually get it mostly from women believe it or not like cis women will like come on my lives and stuff and be like oh you're just pretending to be a woman take off that and you know show us your atoms and I'm just like why what in the world i'm just here trying to live i am not trying to pretend to be anything (laughs) i don't and that's stressful it's so like i'm literally tearing up right now i hate it so much i really do I'm sorry I had to bring that I up. I mean, to you like that. it's okay. It's, it's no, it's, it's not. not okay because... <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's let's shift gears. Then. Okay, okay. And I want you to tell me what is your greatest accomplishments so far in your career. Mm, my greatest accom. Can I have three? They're kind of short, Absolutely. but I mean. So listen, this is your, this is your moment right now to brag about yourself. <laughs> okay. Tell me about how fantastic yes, you are. Okay. okay. So my greatest accomplishments, and they're very, very different. So my first one, I would have to say it's actually more poetry related. When I was in high school is when I didn't start poetry in high school. I've been doing, I've been writing and writing poetry since like elementary but then I started doing spoken word and performing and poetry slams and stuff like that um in high school I remember I stayed up all night writing this poem it was supposed to be for some convention or something that my school was gonna do a after school program and take the bus and go and we were gonna be in this thing and stayed up all night and and it was really deep about you know my life and the things I went through and we went to we you know we got to the to the place we all hopped in the van and the person in the front was turned around was like so here's the thing <laughs> you guys can't compete and I was like but why and they were like well there we didn't know you had to be part of the guild or whatever and we were all bummed out but then but then 
that night, don't get me wrong, we got to go to like a, uh, we went to like the DIA and I did my poem for like people at the DIA looking at, po- looking at the artwork and stuff. And it was beautiful. But what happened was the, like, I think it was like a week or two later, I ended up, we ended up having our first poetry slam at our school. And it was people from colleges came out and stuff. And I did this, and I did my poem that I I spent all that work on and I got first place. Oh, that's and same. I was like, I was like, I did it. I I you know, I I put in all this work and I was like, oh, I did it. But I was just I was so proud of myself because that was one of those things like um when I told my parents that I wanted to write poetry, you know, I that's what I like to do, and that was my thing. But it was like, oh, okay, yeah, cute, you know. But it was like, <laughs> when are you gonna show off poetry? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like they couldn't profit off of it, so it wasn't like important to them. But showing that I I could excel at something that was all me, it, it was it was like mm-hmm. a golden moment for me. From that, I went into doing drag and or doing actually, I started. I started out doing stripping and <laughs> but I feel like everybody kind of oh well not everybody but a lot of people jump into that but for me it was like my freedom you know it was like mm-hmm. I was doing something that you know for me nudity or you know showing my body or whatever it wasn't like a it wasn't a sexual thing to me like it didn't have to be I, I was like a nudist in the head already <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just it's about you just being free and being proud of your body and loving yourself type of thing. So right. when I first started dancing, I was real heavy. Like I was not real heavy, but I was thicker than most strippers you would see. And and especially in the the gay scene and stuff, it was it was either you were a twink and skinny or you were muscular and that was it. Mm. Like they didn't want in no. the between. So for me, when I first started dancing and I got a spot at a bar, I mean, it wasn't even really like a strip club. It was like a bar that had like a strip night type of thing. But it was like a moment for me when I got out there and I danced and people were giving me money and stuff. And, you know, and I got off the stage and I just, I was in the back room just looking at all this money. And I'm like, I did this. This a lot of money. Okay. (laughs) And I was like. I really did. I said I wanted to do it and I did it. And it for so long, I've always been told, you know, well, that's not going to work. And you can't do that because of this. You can't do this because you're fat. You can't do this because you're gay. You can't do this because of... And I went out and I did it. And I, you know, it just made me feel so good. And then the third and last mm-hmm. one is just me when I um I did a, uh, what was it? A uh, competition. It was like my first drag competition that I was in. It wasn't a pageant. I haven't been in a pageant yet, but that's coming soon. <laughs> But I did a yeah. You, you definitely need to do that because I I see your makeup looks and I'm like, um, thank you. Yeah. I've been I've been working. I've been because baby has been a work in progress. <laughs> Not to cut your story yeah. off, but there was there was one picture in particular I saw on Instagram where you had had this beautiful head wrap. Your lips was on point. Your eyes were on point. And I was like, uh, God damn it! Why can't I get my makeup that good? Uh, and it took so much practice. You do, you wouldn't believe. I would just sit in my room or I would go in the bathroom and I would just have moments and I'll just paint. I'll turn on some music and I'll just do my makeup. And I'll be like, mm, I don't like it. Let me do a little. And I'll keep working at it, working at it, blending some more at this. And, you know, until I get it just right. And I'm like, okay, this is cute. I'm, I'm happy with this. <laughs> 
So we're, we've reached the end of our conversation today. And I have one more question for you. And this is called, it's normally called the Queen's Request, but because you're here today, I'm asking it, I'm calling it to be the Queen's Request. Yes. Okay. So I would like for you to suggest to me one or two Michigan Black women performers. And when I say women, I spell women with an X Mm -hmm. to include everyone that's not a cis man. Got it. So one to two Michigan Black women performers we should keep an eye out for. So before anything, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I cannot call out any name before I call out this particular performer because they have pushed me and inspired me oh so much throughout my career, my life, everything. And that is Maria Zatiz. She is a drag performer, soon to be a burlesque performer, if, you know, rumor has it, you know, but incredible, (laughs) incredible performer, incredible, you know, makeup artist. You... If you don't know about her, <laughs> get to know her because she's incredible. <laughs> yes. And then one other would probably be one of my other really, really, really dear friends. And they've been helping me out a lot along the way. And they believed in me really deeply and want to see my visions come to fruition. And that's another uh, drag performer that I really love, Miss Mocha Pronto. She's like the club kid of Detroit or whatever. She's very you have no, you you won't see anything like Miss Mocha. She she'll make you laugh, mm-hmm. make you cry, make you. Uh, she's she's wonderful. But yes, mm-hmm. beautiful performers, incredible spirit. Keep a lookout. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, is there anything that you want to promote? Before we end our conversation today, any social media, a website or anything? I would say, I don't know if this is, it's not really art, but it's something, it is a business that I have. Mm -hmm. So on top of performing, I am a very spiritual person. I am a conjurer, which I practice African, you know, craft or whatnot. So I do gris and blessings and readings and all that good stuff. And you can see me on Facebook. Um, I have a page that is titled Quing Intuition. That's Q-U-I-N-G Intuition. Check me out. All right. I had so much fun with you today. Uh, I really did. I enjoyed this conversation so yes, much. I enjoyed this too. I'm really happy I did this. This was everything. I'm glad too. Yes. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on here and just giving me an hour and 15 minutes of your time. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find Black Queens on Stage podcast and Black Literature and Art Queens Network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at B-L-A-Q-N Show Michigan, on Facebook at B-L-A-Q Show Michigan, and on Twitter at B-L-A-Q-N-M-I. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time. <laughs>